0: Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Kokoro Movement Podcast. On this episode, we have Ethan Christworth. He holds a doctorate in athletic training. He's the tip of the spear as far as education for rock tape. He is a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and an accomplished musician. This guy was really fun to talk to. I'm just going to jump right into it. Here we go. I had to take you off a of mute. That's really helpful.
1: You can hear a lot better. Nice to virtually meet you. How do you like my background?
0: <laughs> looks good, man. It looks like you belong there. <laughs> yeah. How are you, sir?
1: Good, man. I'm doing well. Thanks.
0: Yeah, we got a. Yeah. yeah, we got a lot to talk about because you're kind of a renaissance man. You've done anything and yeah. everything. But But. Uh, yeah, like you had you had to deal with this coronavirus thing yesterday so let's talk about that a little bit because you are um involved in multiple ways both with IBJJF and with rock tape so let's uh let's talk about like most specifically on the rock tape side because you guys are global right so like what are you guys doing with that are you just kind of playing it by ear because that's one of the that's one of the powerful things about jiu-jitsu right is you're like okay what's happening now Okay, what's happening now and you're able to react I Kenan, in
1: moment. I saw Keenan just came out with a post that he's shutting down Legion. Yeah. Right? He's shutting down. I'm like, yeah. "Wow, Keenan's shutting down the gym." Right. So, which is, you know, if you think about the the collective idea, it's a smart thing to do, right you know, at a gym owner. Wow, I mean, that's, you know, he's big time, so he could probably handle that. Small gym owners, I don't know. You know, that's interesting. As far as Rock Tape's concerned, um You know, Rock Tape, I can speak to domestically. Uh, Globally, uh, I'm not positive yet, but I'm sure they're going to follow suit about potentially webcasting for the next uh, 30 to 60 days. And hopefully those people will want to be involved in those courses and then also getting some incentives. And, uh, you know, we're playing it hour by hour like everybody is right now. So let me ask you this, Jesse, when will this be posted, this podcast?
0: Um, I should have it done by today or tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, because I have it all uh, set up in GarageBand. I just, you know, have the intro music. I just record the intro when I'm done talking to you and just throw it up there. Okay. So, yeah,
1: so I mean, I think, um, you know, it's not out there yet, but, you know, uh, logistically in the internal rock team, we're moving on with everybody else, uh, suspending courses to basically be uh, broadcast, webcasted by yeah. the instructor teach it at a probably you know we haven't dealt the price yet but they'll still have ceus which is super important for any rock tape attendee um, and they'll get their products sent directly to their house so we're trying to make it as as fluid as possible in a, in a crazy crisis time right now
0: yeah which is bananas because i don't remember anything like this ever and so you know i'm a massage therapist and also a, a strength coach and i have a small gym and this affects me immensely you know what i mean so like you know, the last thing people are going to do when this thing becomes a crisis is get a massage. You know what I mean? And, you know, um, and so that's really a bummer on my end because I had a pretty turbulent year last year. I uh, left the CrossFit gym that I was at for a really long time. And, you know, those CrossFit gyms are pretty tribal. So as soon as I leave there, then I lose a lot of the clientele that was attached to that and so i was really looking forward to this year just like yeah i'm gonna rebound my business is gonna be great and then all of a sudden like not even a couple months in it's just a bummer and so it's just you know,
1: really it's not there there can't be one person uh or one entity that's not gonna be not oh, he's all right he's good yeah that's not gonna be uh interrupted i right. one right everybody so if you think about you know, from the global economy to domestic economy to your personal economy, I mean, everybody is going to, there's not one person not going to be affected. You yeah. know, everyone has yeah. to make money. So right. It affects everybody.
0: Right. And that's really cool that you guys are able to kind of go online and still give people a great product because, uh, you know, that's one of the things that I love about Rock Tape and, and the instructors is uh, you guys are really um, in the forefront of the understanding of everything that we need in order to be good practitioners. And, you know, if, um, you know, and as a massage therapist, I take a lot of CEUs that don't count for my massage license. So I can always rely on rock tape to provide that for me. Okay. So, if, yeah. So if I'm, uh, if I'm, you know, falling behind and my license is coming up, I'm just like, Oh crap. I'll just, run down to Phoenix real quick and take a couple of rock tape courses and I'll be caught up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause I'm really yeah. into like the rehabilitative stuff and um, you know, like I'm signed up for the uh, functional range release uh, spine course in May 1st through the third. And I don't even know if that's going to happen. So it's like one of those things where you're just playing it by ear and it's just really crazy.
1: I think, you know, with the, with how big continuing education is now, I mean, yeah. people lay their life on it. People have left their jobs, just like what you're telling me yourself, and people have gone into the education field. You know, and it's it's killing everyone's crushing education. I think in the CEU world, right? Uh, you know, it's gonna it's gonna impact. Now, you know, I think personally. I mean, I'm no you know scientist on this you know COVID nineteen virus, but you can say that collectively, you know, the shutdown, whether it's thirty or sixty days is for the betterment so we don't end up like in Italy or end up like in China, you know? And I think, and don't quote me, but I think the data from South Korea uh, is actually a bit more favorable because they did this. Right. It's gonna take a lot. And, you know, we've never been interrupted in our entire lives. There could be wars all over the world and we go on and train jujitsu and, you know, treat people and just watch the news on how bad it is over there. Well, it's finally, it's finally interrupting our lives. And as Americans, we need to understand, hey, it sucks, but it's, it's temporary. It's transient. And if we just make this change, maybe it will be helpful. Right. You know, it's, it's,
0: helpful. You know, it's, yeah. And it's one of those things where, like, right now you really realize how much stupid shit you pay attention to. Like, yeah, right. like, and you're just like oh wait this is a big deal you know what i mean i was really upset about god knows what yesterday and now i'm like mm, yeah. i don't know if i'm gonna have any clients next week you know what i mean
1: yeah so, i mean it's, it's a big deal in two ways it's a big deal because the media is making a huge deal it's a big deal because the you know the mortality rate's higher than the flu so again then you look at the data the mortality rate's higher than the flu with elderly and immunocompromised and the data is not supporting anything regarding the kids even though there could be carriers but they don't become symptomatic so but the r nod which is basically the the rate of infected other people is much greater than the influenza virus right r nod rating says i think it's three or more so one person that has it will infect three or more compared to the flu which is less than that hence the reason this thing is just basically going you know crazy
0: yeah and it's uh and then humans don't think very well, which is really hard too, because they're just like, cool. So I'm going to go travel around the country and visit every major city. And you're like, no, you're going to stay home. And they're like, yeah, but I have this planned already.
1: But that's yeah. freedom, right? We've always right. had freedom and freedom comes, you know, with the the self thought and there's there's not a collective thought not to say that I'm voting for Bernie but yeah. you know some of those thought processes are like, oh we would be a better community if you know Side, if we all had give a little bit of thought you know like other countries do but you know we're capitalists so. <laughs> I,
0: know. It's like, what? I know and it's it's just such a weird thing and it's just kind of you know it was really prevalent yesterday because right after I messaged you on Instagram then I saw on Instagram, that you guys had to shut down the IBJJF uh, tournament, and you know that's just like a that's a huge deal. There's people that train all year for that. That's like, yeah. that's like as far as jujitsu tournaments go, that's like the CrossFit Games or one of them. You know what yeah, I mean? And yeah, then there's like
1: yeah.
0: Abu Dhabi and all those other ones. You know, it's like, and so yeah, it's,
1: gonna, it's gonna affect everybody. So I think you know those are those. Those decisions are made by the event itself. So somebody finally posted that, hey, don't get mad at IBDGF or NABGGF or any of the others. Get, you know, understand that it's for the safety. And if not, just the litigiousness and the liability these days in the states is, is huge. So you don't want to be the factor. You want to be safe and be effective. So if you're the factor of creating more wrong, then that's just not good. Hence the reason why UCI shut down, you know. Right. And, and they're. Mm-hmm. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, so then I just listened to that Joe Rogan podcast with the guy from the Center of Disease Control. And it's like, you know, washing your hands is helpful and being like a healthy human is helpful, but like it's really uh, transmitted through breathing. And so like talk about a sport where you're just literally breathing directly into somebody's mouth. You know? <laughs> like,
1: that's a, I mean, we've gone, we, we probably take every risk as jujitsu practitioners to sweat, blood, breath, I mean, is you know, just look at HPV, HPV warts, right? Yeah. I mean, you probably train as I do with multiple people who have warts. That's just so hum- communicable. It's just passed so quickly, so often. Everyone has warts, and you know, we're in constant contact with skin conditions all the time. When we, when I cover IBGJF, when people go through the weigh-in and the geek check, if that person sees anything that looks You know suspect then it gets kicked to the medical table then i have to basically give it a yes or no right with the gi events typically we don't see it but no gi events we we see a lot of skin conditions and i have to basically say okay we could cover this but if it's up on the face that's that's much harder you know right you can't cover a person's neck you would occlude their airway so right you know and then the that fighter would get mad but that fighter should read the rules look through the website rules and understand that, you know, you need to take care of your body, your skin, your, all your components and your gear and your, your training equipment, you know? I mean, it's, right. it's all you, you know, and then you want to come to the event and spread this through more people. It's just not safe. Right. And then I've seen,
0: um, at tournaments, people get gee choked so hard that they're throwing up everywhere and you're just like, oh my God. And then they're trying to do the best that they can. You know what I mean? Yeah, Cleaning just, up
1: the mats and stuff, but
0: it's just yeah. it's a it's a sport just like anything else. And there's danger just like anything else. And
1: that's right.
0: You know, it's a thing. Um dang. So um one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about and what I wanted to get you on here is um I started working. Um, as a massage therapist with a company called Hypo 2 here in Flagstaff, Arizona, which is like a high-altitude training center um, for, um, uh, you know, Olympic athletes from all over the world. And so through them, I started working a lot with the local college at Northern Arizona University and started being a lot around around a lot more um, athletic trainers. And I just figured you'd be the perfect person to talk about that because you guys – I didn't understand – until the first time I went in that training room and I was like holy shit like they're dealing with anything and everything from any sport and every sport
1: That's right.
0: constantly and yeah. you know coming from my own personal massage practice where you know I massage people and then I have like a half hour and then my next massage comes in and then I have like an hour to eat lunch and then I coach like two or three people at once and then do like another massage. And then I go into that training room and I instantly have anxiety. I'm like, what are all these people doing in here? You know what I mean? It's just crazy. Yeah,
1: yeah I think that, uh, you know, athletic training has always been like that, sadly. It's kind of like, mass, I would say athletic trainers are kind of like the jack of all trades, master of none. We need to know how to auscultate lung sounds, to tape an ankle, to, you know, deal with uh, a, a type one or type, yeah, you know, type one diabetic, to deal with concussion to deal with the ingrown toenail. And it's just it's just crazy because um you know there's not a lot of respect for the field. I think the name alone athletic trainer is is hard because of the word trainer. yes Uh, we've fought um numerous occasions other like political action committees and maybe other small groups have fought to potentially change that name but massage therapists that kind of owns that name uh, physical therapists so those Those entities would lobby against us. So then we have to basically be strong within our own self to say, you know what, we are an athletic trainer. We're okay with the name. We can show you what we can do. We we have a solid degree. We have a solid board of certification. We're nationally recognized. Most states are licensed to become an athletic trainer or to be an athletic trainer. So you know, still a lot of people don't know who we are. You know, once you say athletic trainer, they think you're basically, you know, you're there to show them how to lift or do yoga poses. And well, that's all great stuff. You know, we do a lot more than that.
0: You know, Yeah. And so it's like, it's kind of a battle that I'm battling with the massage therapy space too, because we can really learn a lot and we can be um, a a real legitimate rehabilitative profession, but we're not seen that way. And so, there's a, there's a societal narrative of what massage therapists are. Mm-hmm. And then unfortunately as a profession, we feed that societal narrative. And so like, for instance, like a lot of the stuff that you guys are teaching in the rock tape courses that we're affecting the nervous system. Mm-hmm. So then when you look at something like a, a hypertonic muscle, you have to ask yourself, why is this under threat? Where is it coming from? Is it because of this muscle? Is it because of different muscles? Because whatever it is. So don't just jam your elbow in there. You know what I mean? And so that's kind of where we're at, where people come into me and they say, I want deep tissue. And I'm like, do you want deep tissue? Or do you think that's just the thing that you should say? You know what I mean? And so I'm really working hard to um, educate my clients and educate my local populace. And then that's why I have this podcast so I can, you know, talk to everybody and kind of get my message out there as well but then you know once you start looking at what the trainers do because they are in the weight room but then when they're not in the weight room then they're in the training room and then that's where they're dealing with everybody's knee problems everybody's ankle problems like you just said and I think it's like and I didn't understand the distinction between the two um, until I heard you on a podcast with Shante I believe and it was like Because you guys get confused with personal trainers, too, I think.
1: Oh, all the time, yeah. Personal trainers, any type of trainer. You know, this is actually National Athletic Training Month for the National Athletic Training Association and its members. Yeah. Um, So we're very big on using the correct nomenclature is uh, referred to us as an athletic trainer, not a trainer. Because when you have just the suffix of a trainer, the word suffix of a trainer, you have personal trainer. You know, it could be any you know horse trainer, any type of trainer. Right. Uh, They're all they're all good terms, but we're really trying to identify ourselves as a athletic trainer.
0: Right. And it's uh, and, you know, you can get any kind of personal training degree online and it's not there's no governing body for personal trainers either. So then you can just get your degree and just start training people and have no idea what you're doing or how to do it. Yeah. You know, and so it's uh, you guys have like a lot of education that goes into it. Like you have a you have a, a doctorate, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. My PhD is in athlete, is in th- actually athletic training. So it was kind of um, half pedagogy, teaching how to teach and understanding how a person learns, which is super important. Even right. if you're just a clinician, understanding how to speak to your patient or your client so they can understand what's going on. And then the other half was clinical. So it was a really great uh, degree. Uh, My research is actually in epidemiology of jiu-jitsu. So that was uh, my thesis um, and my dissertation. And then just looking at rates uh, between men and women, um, injury rates as far as evidence of uh, incidents, uh, cumulative incidents over time, um, is there any prevalence of injuries, things of that nature. So, But I think athletic trainers, as a whole, I've been pretty much stepped on. If you if you really look at the the pecking order of, of that term, it would probably fall under chiropractor, under physical therapist, athletic trainer would probably be in there. Um, somewhere on the long lines, we have massage therapy in there and personal trainer in there. And you know, people are calling themselves everything these days—a like kinesiologist specialist or movement specialist. I think the biggest thing, bro, is that we all just try to get along and learn from each other. I mean, right. I've been teaching for a long time, and I've learned plenty uh, from personal trainers, plenty from massage therapists, and plenty from the, from the doctorate community as well. But it seems to be this kind of like arms folded when you go teach a class, legs folded, and you, they have to buy you before they buy what you're, what you're trying to teach. You know, They don't buy in until they see your letters. And if you don't have the letters, then it's extra hard to buy in. You know, you may be well-versed and with education these days, I mean, look how much continuing education is out there. You just mentioned FRC. There's FRC, there's FRI, there's PRI, there's DNS, there's SFMA, there's FMS, there's FMT. There's so many. That's the, that's the university. Yeah. That's the university. Now it takes a person with really good collective thought and good critical thinking skills to put all that information together into a system that works for you. That's the hard part. That when is you a, when you go to a university, you're going to learn their system on how to evaluate, how to assess and how to treat. When you take 50 con ed classes in a year, man, it's a lot. It's a lot. So you yeah. have to develop up a system in there and where people do.
0: Right. And so that's what I've done. And I've been, I've been, uh, blessed with the fuck it gene where I'm just like, I'm going to try it. I'm going to see how it goes. And then understanding that I have, um, like these tried and true techniques that I can fall back on. So when I go and I learn this new stuff, I just come home and start trying it immediately and then it fails. And then I go back to my tried and true stuff and then eventually I get better at the new stuff. And so, you know, I spent, you know, close to $30,000 on my continuing education over the last couple of years. And it's just traveled all over the place and learned all kinds of stuff from all these amazing people. And it's so addicting because then you're, taking these courses with these like-minded people that are there for the same purpose that you are. And that's where I make a lot of these friends at that come on my podcast. And now, you know, I really want to start teaching and I've taught a few courses already that I came up with, uh, with my friend, Andy Shea in San Diego. And it's like, now I want to take courses from people that I want to learn how to teach from. So like, you know, I, you know, taking a majority of the rock tape courses, I know what they're all about, but if Shante's is going to teach it, I want to teach. I want to see how she teaches. I want to see how Stu Wilson teaches. I want to see how you teach. I want to see how, uh, Steve Capobianco teaches, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because that's what I want to learn now. And you know, then it's, uh, going back to what you said earlier. That's like one of the things, um, that's really frustrating from where I'm at in Flagstaff, Arizona is everybody's super competitive, and so when I tried to host uh, that course I was mentioning earlier here, nobody wanted to take it mm-hmm. and because, well, I don't want to learn from you because what if you know something that I don't know? And then all your clients are, or all my clients. And I'm like, stop, shut up. We're all doing the same thing.
1: like it's, it's, it's really, really hard. It's, it's, you know, I I think, you know, I commend on I commend you on what you're trying to do. You go out and teach courses, you know, I would say this, luckily you know, like a Shantae or a, a, a Tim or a, a Perry, people that are building their own platforms, they've built it from Rock Tape. Yeah. Rock Tape has really given people a platform to build upon. And, right. you know, you're not starting there, right? Right. So people are either on, um, whose platform could they be on? They could be on the movement platform, of FMS, FMA, and then create their own work, of course. Right. Rock Tape, uh, DNS, PRI, um, Everyone starts usually with a pretty good base. They get a bit of a, a bit of a following. They have the name behind them, and then they go off on their own. Right. And that's really the the thing to do, right? If you want to build, instead of just working for somebody, you want to you know move on to that. And Shantae has done an incredible job. Yeah. Right, doing that. And Harry has done that too. You
0: know. Yeah, so, and I've I've taken. I've learned a lot from Perry and like, he's one of those people that he's like, I'm going to teach this. And I'm like, sounds good. I don't care what it is. Yeah, yeah. I'll go learn from you, you know?
1: And because Perry built such a strong following, you know, the amount of studying and knowledge that Perry has, he's developing his own classes and people say, you know what you, and I was going to say this too, is like, it's all about delivery, right? Sean right. Tate delivers well. Perry delivers well. Capo delivers well. Um, I hope I deliver well. If yeah. you deliver well, uh, then people are going to come back. Yeah, deliver well. It's like going to see a, you know a speaker. If they don't speak well, then why would you go back again? No matter right. the content, you
0: know? right? Yeah. And, you know, when I started, one of the first courses that I took uh, was uh, DNS exercise one. As soon as I got out of massage school, and you know, I love I love that stuff. Um, but the I learned from three different women that were from Prague. So I took exercise one, two, and three. And they were these soft-spoken women from Prague and just trying to listen to that incredibly dense information. And they're so soft-spoken and they have such a deep accent. And you're just like, Gugh. by the time you get to the hotel, you're just like, oh, my God. Yeah,
1: just I trying guess. to figure it out
0: how to get to the next
1: day, you know. That's right. That all comes in delivery. And we have, you know, plenty of people that are super smart, but, you know, are they dynamic in a delivery? Do they know how to deliver? Do they know how to engage? Do they know about student engagement? Do they know how to check for understanding? Do they have normative and summative assessments when they basically lecture? So all those things are that's all pedagogy, and that's that's super important within our curriculum.
0: Yeah, and so you know, and passion too, because like, oh yeah, like Dr. Perry's like practically yelling at you all the the whole time. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because he's so excited to be teaching what he's teaching.
1: Oh, go see Charlie Wandroff teach. Yeah, yeah. I, Charlie, I you feel like you're going to get attacked. Like, <laughs> right? So the more, the more you speak to Charlie and Charlie's a friend of mine, the more you speak to Charlie, the more intense he gets. And you're like, Whoa, yeah. you're like, he's, a, he's passionate. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's good. And that's what, that's what people are looking for. So, like if you're teaching something and you're not excited to teach it, that's why, you know, all these anatomy and physiology courses at the community college that I went to, I was like, get me out of here. Like, yeah. you know, what are we doing? Like, it's
1: really up to the, you know, the program director, hopefully, and that's a really good point because you're paying for courses, right? You're paying yeah. for the unit. You hope to be engaged. Yep. And, you know, engaged, my dogs are going to bark here in a second because somebody's yep. coming But it's all good. engagement is so important at the university level, especially. You know, top-down top education, top-down education has changed. It used to be top-down driven education now we're learning that it's student engagement it's
0: student-centered learning, right really yeah and it's uh yeah and it's really interesting to like once i um me and my friend andy put together this course like watching the flow of all these other courses and then starting to kind of understand how much effort it took you guys to put that together and how long it took like you know, Perry to put his stuff together, that's all really important. And it's, you know, because it has to flow seamlessly through one thing and then the other. So then you guys, um, you know, I talked to Steve, God, probably six months ago now, which is weird. Yeah. So this is like the thing with the coronavirus. It's now really focused, making me focus kind of on the moment instead of what I'm doing because, you know, because normally I'm like, oh, it's March. Okay. Like, that's cool. We're still moving on. And so anyway, um, but he was talking about how you guys put together a course. Cause I was really interested in how you guys do it and just, you know, um, going through the flow of everything. Does this work? Does it not? Is this all the information that we want in here? What's important? What's not like outlining everything. Okay. That's too much in depth. We don't need to do that. That's not what the purpose is. So like the one that I uh, did with Andy is just mostly trying to teach people how to integrate new ideas into their system mm-hmm. because that's what, a uh, uh, that's what I've run across a lot, especially with the, uh, the massage therapists. is, um, they take a course, they are really intimidated by the information. They don't really know how to integrate it. And then they just blow it off. And I'm like, man, that's like hundreds of thousands of dollars, yeah. you know, just yeah. wasted. Like, you know, like, cause there's some, yeah.
1: Well, Capo, and Capo's uh, Capo's super modest, so I don't know how in-depth he went, but he's really, Capo's the brainiac, Steve Capo is the brainiac behind Rock Tape Education. Yeah, yeah. That's where it started all with him, and Capo's ability to tell a story has really, you know, launched us into a, a high category of these con-ed courses, you know, people know Rock Tape, and they come take Rock Tape, and for the most part, I would say, you know, 85% or better are happy with the courses. Yeah. Uh, Maybe even higher than that, but Capo creates a story. It's almost like, um, you know, what we call Zen lectures or TED talking. Um, yeah. It really just talks. And you've been to the courses. Slides don't mean a lot to us. We make them very picture, very easy, a couple words up there, nothing too robust where people get stuck on reading a slide. That's, that's pedagogy 101. When people get stuck reading a slide, then they, get, they have to read and they can't listen. All we're trying to just basically make a flow and then getting to get into concepts and not techniques. Because if we can show and talk about the concepts of brain, biopsychosocial behavior, fascial chains, and, and mechanical changes, then we've won. Then it's up to you on how to provide the techniques to those things. So that's where Tape has really been instrumental is understanding that it's more about the concepts, not about the techniques.
0: Right. And I took one of the very first uh, Rock Blades courses. And when you guys said we're influencing the s- nervous system and not the muscles, like straight out of massage school, I was like, what yeah. are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, and that, after that course, I just drove home from Tucson, which is like a four-hour drive. And I was just like, that was one of those instrumental moments where all the garbage that I learned in school was completely incorrect. And I was like, what does this mean? <laughs> like Completely rethink it, you know? And yeah, there's been a lot of different points in my life where I go to an education course and come out and I'm like, okay, that was, I'm going to have to sit with that for a while. And that yeah. was one of the first ones that just really blew me up.
1: Really cool stuff because, you know, Capo is so into the neuroscience and neurosensor behavior and, and brain changes. And I mean, I really have to give him the credence because when I came on with rock tape, probably five or six years ago, um, I was just learning this stuff, you know? Yeah. And, you know, every year, if not, you know, biannually, were we changing material in the decks because the literature would change, the literature would change. So annually, the literature changes for us and we change, we update decks all the time to be what's most current in the fascia research and what's most current in the neurosensory and the, the nervous system research.
0: Yeah. And so that's why it's so good for, like I said, as a massage therapist where I can really rely on rock tape for those CEUs. And I'm not afraid to take a course over again yeah. because you guys are always adding that new stuff. So like the first time I took a, a rock tape course was in 2015. And so like, if I take an FMT basic now, it's going to be all the new up-to-date information. Mm-hmm. So I'm not ashamed to take them again. You know what I mean? And it's uh it's yeah really
1: good well let's just talk about the genesis of fmt right? yeah you know what the first fmt stood for when we heard it first started uh
0: fascial movement taping
1: yeah fascial yeah. movement taping that's right you know right. what it stands for now
0: uh functional movement techniques
1: yeah really good job, good job. <laughs> so it's changed in between there too so there's probably two or three names in between that as well so right. we constantly update what are we trying to talk about what are we doing uh, are we too narrow-minded by talking about just fascial taping? Yes, we were, but that was completely new, you know, and then just adding to it and adding to it. So we keep the same moniker of FMT, but we just continually change to, you know, understand what's going on in the literature.
0: Yeah. And so I'm really, um, you know, I was really okay. sold well, on.
1: Functional, functional movement training is what the new technique is. Functional
0: day. movement training. Yes, because now
1: we, you know, now we're hand in hand with skills and trigger. So yeah, yeah. Those products and trigger products. Uh, actually, just taught. Um, I beta tested a course called the Mobility Specialist. It's a. It's not out yet, but we want to teach more of the health and fitness crew on the purpose of soft tissue tools, foam rollers, balls, spiky balls. Yeah. Um, because again, yeah, like we said, you know, these these tools are out there for the public, but people don't know the the nervous system reaction to it. What are the speeds? What are the rates? What are the depths? what's the dosage, and we want to educate people
0: on that. Right. Which is really important because you see, you know, one of the posts that I did recently was about foam rolling that it band. It's not going to work out. (laughs) (laughs) That thing is so strong and you're not going to do that. So you got to start looking at why that it band is tight, you know? So then, um, you know, what I said in my post is, you know, the the TFL and the glute med are the main culprits for IT band tightness. And you got to think about the IT band as a rope. So if those things are really tight, then they're going to be pulling on that knee, right? So then you got to start using your brain. Why is this tight? Is it under threat? Is it weak and tight? You know what I mean? You got to go through this like assessment instead of just like where, you know, you get out of massage school and they're like, if it's tight, just stick your elbow in it. You're like, no, because that's not, you got to figure out why that is because it could need strengthening. It could need, um, you know, activation somewhere else. So like, that's where, you know, I was going to say like the the muscle testing, Um, you know, so neurokinetic therapy and rock tape are just a brilliant combination because you're, if you, so what, the way that I explain muscle testing to my clients is does your brain know what this is? Yes or no. Because your brain has a map of your movement. And so if you're not using this regularly in your movement, then it goes, it becomes dark and dim, mm-hmm. right? So if there's a specific area in your shoulder or your hip that you don't use very often, then all of a sudden you need to use it. That's like you running into the living room full tilt and somebody turning the lights off, you know, and then, but tape is so brilliant for, especially like, cause you guys teach this too, with the uh, like lateral subsystem, the anterior oblique, the posterior oblique, like if you find a dysfunction within that system and then you just tape it, then it just lights that brain up. And the brain's like, what's this? And it's like a flashlight, you know, just staring directly at that thing. And so
1: that's a good, good, you know, overarching view, a 10,000, 30,000 foot view of, you know, the nervous system and how tactile touch can make a change in the somatosensory cortex, right? In your soma. Right. providing information, whether that's a piece of tape, a pod, uh, a light brushing technique, whatever the case may be, we can increase awareness and bring more acuity to that area. That's
0: right. Great. Yeah. And it's really good. And then there's also the other benefits of like increased fluid exchange and all kinds of different stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, and it's, but that's where, you know, I just, when my wife is like, what do you do in the shower? And I'm like, I sit there and I figure stuff out. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not having, you ask me questions or the dogs try and beg me for food. I'm sitting there being like, Oh, I could just use tape with muscle testing and that would make my job way easier. You know what I mean? And then, you know, um, part of another part of muscle testing is uh, understanding stress on the nervous system. So if somebody is chronically stressed out, then they're chronically in a fight or flight. So then their muscles are prepared for impact essentially. And so, what you do is like a um, is a spindle cell compression after you test the muscle. So if it tests really strong, then you spindle cell compress and that should give the uh, a gap and then, and create neurological confusion for that muscle and it should test weak. But if it doesn't, then that means that that person is under a chronic state of stress and probably, you know, had some kind of assault or something, you know, so then kind of like, understanding how that works and then you know calming the nervous system and all that stuff is incredibly important also and so that's just part of the whole entire assessment so why is this tight you know what i mean so like what happened here did is this like an emotional thing is this an emotional association to this and then you know should we be bringing attention to that is because then there could be some kind of acknowledgement of that event that that person's not ready to deal with. And then that could be a whole thing, you know? Um, and it's just, it, the irresponsibility of people just going in and just treating people or making a move without an assessment just drives me crazy.
1: Yeah. yeah I think, uh, you know, there's a definitely a lot of avenues, a lot of variables that are be considered, but, you know, knowing that, you know, you can make a change in the nervous system, really rapidly is really your best bet so right. with david stuff and doing therapy localization and you know checking what's you know what's strong and then clear what's weak in the clear that's really cool stuff it's still transient yeah right You that right. gotta provide a lot of loaded motor control and motor motor control to to gain that that region back yep um but for the most part yeah we we just take an hour we take it just an outer layer Other than the muscles, right? We take it to the fascial system and to the skin and the, you know, the integumentary system and how it attaches. And then, of course, it's at the threat. And, you know, we know that, you know, when a person is in fight or flight, then you can have different chemical mediators to make change to tissue tone. And we, again, using a nomenclature, right? So that word tight is super ambiguous now. Yeah we say upregulated or downregulated like what's going on with the upregulation of that area or downregulation instead of saying right. tone instead of saying even tight all these right. terms are this is the hardest thing right now because continuing education everyone has their own type of nomenclature right right what's tight what's weak what's strong or weak in the clear like what's david stuff is or right. you know, what's facilitated what's not facilitated what's inhibited all those terms
0: Right. And nobody, all the people that you're working on don't care. Like they just want you to make them feel better. And so I'm going to be honest. I was going off on that little rant and I forgot even why I was talking about it, but then going back to the cupping. So that's one thing that I realized in the shower the other day is like, uh, so cupping is also just an extended spindle cell compression, right? So like you can use that not only to relieve pressure because sometimes Chronically tight muscles need less pressure, not more. So don't jam on it, like, you know, relieve the pressure. But then it's also, if you have something that's chronically tight, you can't figure it out, you can leave a cup on there and that's going to spindle cell compress it for a long time, which will eventually get that muscle release, which then will eventually make that person feel better. And so that's just like my brain going crazy thinking about all this stuff, like trying to understand everything, which is what, you know, man, you guys just like the rock tape crew is such a like, like such an epic amalgamation of different savages from all these different, you know, and you guys are like just the rock stars of all these different, um, uh, practices focused into one thing. And it's yeah. just really it's, a, it's
1: a good amalgamation of, uh, Cairo's PTs, athletic trainers, you know, yeah, and everyone. Hot, you
0: know? yeah. it's really cool. But, uh, um, Yeah, so how often are you teaching then?
1: Um, uh, I would probably say I'm doing more auditing of instruction now. Okay. We have have such a a large base of instructors. We probably have 40 U.S. uh, instructors. I would say close 36 to 40 U.S. instructors. And typically, uh, I mean, through the years, teaching two if not three times a month. Okay. And then now I'm probably down to once a month and auditing like I get to go watch Terry Pete uh, Perry teach uh, this weekend down in San Diego. So I audit his course, and okay. you know, this just a good way to to provide feedback and to understand people's teaching methods. So, yeah.
0: yeah, cool. And then, um, so then, what's your role in IBJJF? Also,
1: yeah. So IBJJF and NABJJF, um, I'm the uh, the medical coordinator, medical director. Okay. So. Um, you know, as a blue belt, when IBJJF first came here, this is way before, there was no federation, and IBGjf came here, I don't know, late 90s, early 2000s, uh, I was a blue belt, and I'm like, oh, wow, what's this, you know, because we were doing, like, we do in-house tournaments or Gracie tournaments, um, but there was no large scale. A yeah. couple of people tried, like a guy named Gilberto tried, and, um, you know, um, Who else tried? Uh, The Machado brothers tried, but they were pretty poorly run. Yeah. Um, The IBJJF came in with a a pretty good understanding of how to run tournaments. They've been doing it for so many years in Brazil already. So uh, I said, hey, I'll trade you entry free, you know, for me covering your tournament medically. And they had no clue what an athletic trainer was. And uh, I said, well, I'm going to hang out. And tape anybody that comes down my way or put ice on them or, or stretch them or just help control bleeding. And I set up my table in my cooler and that's when tournaments were literally like six mats one day. Yeah. Now we have, you know, master worlds is, you know, five straight days, four to five straight days, 27 mats. I mean, the, the growth in this sport, you know, it's gotta be the biggest exponentially than any other sport I've seen. Um, yeah. So,
0: Just when I got into it back in 2006, there was hardly anything, you know, because like that was like right around when uh, the UFC really blew up and then people started to understand, you know, what like combat sports actually was. And so um, then I didn't compete in my first, I had my first cage fight in 2010 and then competed in my first jujitsu tournament six months after that and then did a few more after that. And those were just all Grappler's Quest events. Right. I don't even know if they're around anymore. Um, but yeah. yeah, like everybody does jujitsu now. like, And it's just, so basically don't pick fights with anyone. <laughs> because you just don't know. You know what I mean? They could just be-
1: Lawyers, you got moms, you got doctors, you have kids. Yeah, you're right. You're
0: right. Yeah, and they, they just could be like this dorky looking little bean pole, but he could be a black belt in jiu-jitsu. You just
1: have no idea. Yeah, look, look, at, look at the, uh, you know, light feather and featherweight adult adult male uh, black belt. Those guys don't look, you know, kind of doesn't look very tough, you know, but he's a badass, you know, or even yeah. being the brothers. So. You know jiu-jitsu has come a long way uh, i've been in this sport for you know 25 years at least you know when the ultimate fighter came out that's when i joined the gracie gym in torrance hoist gracie taught our classes and yeah. he was going into his third ultimate fighter challenge against chemo and i said wow this is crazy and it just so happens that the hoist gracie academy and gracie academy is literally down the street from my house when i lived in torrance california yeah so, um I still live in Southern California, but I mean, they, we were only allowed to really take a class a week or two classes a week. It was an hour. It was nothing but drilling closed guard, chokes, arm locks. There was no st- no such thing as open guard. You yeah. know, and then I moved to Machado when Machado came here from Brazil, RCJ Machado, and all of a sudden this open guard thing was going on. I'm like, wait, what's this stuff? You know, mm, so yeah, awesome thing just busted out because the original Gracie Jiu Jitsu was more self defense and ground fighting, and closed guard and you know the self defense system, and then you know RCJ. When I first started taking that, and that was probably ninety three or ninety four. Um, they taught me all what you know, scissor sweeping, and you know, a spider guard, basically. You know. Yeah. So. Uh,
0: yeah, and I uh, man, when I started out, because you know Flagstaff's pretty barren as far as jujitsu goes. We got like three schools right now, but they, you know all used to be one school and then they got mad at each other and started their own school. And it's all just, this, they're all uber competitive. Um, but when I started, it was just uh, my um, MMA coach went and took Gracie combatives at the Gracie university in Torrance. And so that's what we learned. And so when I went and tested for my blue belt, I went to the Gracie Academy in Torrance, which was just like, you know, we were learning all their stuff off the videos Right. And then Henner Gracie walks up and I'm like, holy shit, that guy's real. Yeah.
1: Then, <laughs> um, you had a baby when I was there. Yeah. yeah. Now they're at the Academy. Yeah, they've grown. They've really grown.
0: Yeah. So it's just, it's, yeah, it's so interesting. And then, um, yeah, and then I was just watching you play the guitar. You, you posted some stuff of yeah. you playing some old school Metallica stuff earlier. Like how long have you been in the uh, a musician for
1: yeah so i actually i call that my first life so at a high school i played music i picked up the guitar i was actually singing for a punk rock band when i was in the seventh grade and you know i'm from the beach area we're down to beach fromosa beach so i got to see you know black flag at the church i got to see red cross uh you know exploited all the original punk rock and then you know just the beach punk rock bands down here and I started being a little punk rock singer in the seventh grade, shouting lyrics and stuff like that. And then I picked up a guitar and I started playing in a lot of bands. And by the end of my senior year, I think early freshman college year, I was in a band that actually got signed by a label. Okay. And we made an album and it was an independent label and they put us on tour and we went to go support radio play. So I was trying to become a pro musician for a number of years before, um, it finally, you know, after a couple tours and, you know, money lost and actually making some money, I said, I'm going back to school. And I remembered, you know, when I wrestled in high school, I got hurt a couple of times and I went to this guy called an athletic trainer, said, you know, what? I'm going to go back and study this stuff. So I went back and I studied athletic training and I was, you know, not much of a high school student at all, but as I got older and after my music career ended, I kind of went back to that and then I got fully involved in it. So, that's awesome. That. So, kind of like two lives, you know. One's a, but you know what helped me? It really helped me with stage presence. So, you yeah. know, being on the road in front of people night after night, singing, playing guitar, it has to have stage presence. And that's lecture ability as well.
0: Yeah. yeah it's just really interesting how just humans are so weird, how we all just kind of yeah. start on these different paths and then end up kind of going in the same direction, you know. And it's, yeah. it's really funny because no matter what you're into there's like really famous people in that thing but then in another thing like nobody cares you know it's really weird so like uh forrest griffin is a great example so i went to the uh the very first uh ufc fan expo and the line to meet forrest griffin was freaking out the door wow. and my very first jiu-jitsu tournament was at um at mr olympia in las vegas and all these bodybuilders had lines out the door, but Forrest Griffin was just standing there by himself, and I was like, "What Forrest Griffin uh, and I had to like look around and make sure and he 's like, "Yeah, come on <laughs> <talk."> <laughs> like because he just been standing there by himself all day you know and it's just uh it's really weird, but then you like there's a, uh, like you know Dr. Perry said a couple of times that there's been one or two times out of all of the traveling that guy travels more than anybody i've ever met
1: <laughs> um,
0: but there's two times where somebody walked up to him in an airport. They're like, hey, Dr. Perry. But for the most part, he's just pretty incognito. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's just exactly. really, really.
1: We, we all cater to specific crowds, you know? Yeah. Um, you are, you know, Perry caters to an education. We're all educators. So yeah. you know, for anybody to notice you, that'd be pretty, pretty cool. But, you know, Perry and like Ashanti, again, they have some pretty large social media platforms. that so makes them a bit more recognizable
0: yeah yeah and then even like in the jiu-jitsu world like nobody's gonna recognize gary Tonin except for me you know what i mean yeah exactly right or like you know and then some like some ufc fighters have ascended like everybody knows who chuck liddell is or randy couture but yeah. you know not very many people know who like anderson silva is you know which is or yeah. even like um insinuate, like you know these old school like crazy fighters that have been through the shit for longer than anybody can even understand before UFC popped off. And it's just like, man, those, those guys were amazing. Just watching those guys just pioneer the sport. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, Super cool. Um, and so, um, do you, so you only do your athletic training, um, at these jujitsu events or do you have your own practice or.
1: Yeah. So I used to, um, I used to be the medical director for a company called Velocity Sports Performance. Okay. So, I mean, I've, I, through athletic training, I've worked at the high school level, the college level, the Olympic level, the the professional level, and the, the industry level. And um, now with Rock Tape, you know, I'm the um, I'm the director of education for Rock Tape. So it's a full time job now. So I actually treat part time out of my house. Okay. I no longer have a location. Uh, Velocity was that location. In redondo beach but um i only treat a select few um you know i still like to treat to keep my hands busy and to stay current yeah. but i probably see people once a week okay you know? luckily i'm in that position where i can i can do that and i don't have to bring on clients every day which is okay but I, I still love the um you know the biomechanical detective ideas and try to figure things out and trying to see if you can get outcomes because you know we're lecturing on all this stuff so right. we want this stuff really works. You know? Yeah, that's and, awesome. Uh, yeah, so, but for the most part, I'm, you know, I'm just do uh, education with rock tape for the most part. And then Christ sports, sports medicine, which is my athletic training services for jiu-jitsu. Okay. And, you know, that, that's just grown so much because there's a, two jiu-jitsu tournaments a, a month these days. And I've kind of narrowed it down just to be selective We're working with two federations, the NA and the MA EJJF. Um, they're very professional um we have a good working relationship whereas some other ones who are kind of fly by night who pass through looking for medical some have been very fly by night and it's just you just want to work with everybody yeah
0: right uh hold on just a second my dog's freaking out he has to go to the bathroom no we'll wrap this up okay we are back
1: from a brief interlude (laughs) Uh
0: Uh, so what are you um what are you learning right now what are you working on right now
1: Let's see, well, like I said, we just launched, well, I'm sorry, we beta tested something called a mobility specialist course that we're basically um, trying to help uh, educate the consumer, not even the consumer, but more the personal trainer, uh, how to safely and efficaciously use a foam roller, a ball, a spiky ball, and all these other tools. Well, they've been out there for numerous, numerous years, but people still don't know about dosages and rates and times and stuff like that. So... Uh, Capo and I just got done writing that and uh, I just beta tested it at an Equinox in Southern California and we'll probably roll that out to more of the health and fitness side and for people that are interested in that. Um, you know, Rock Tape, uh, what we do with Rock Tape and its education is something called planned redundancy. And you've probably seen this before where you've taken Rock Tape courses and you're know, like, oh, oh yeah, I remember that slide. Oh yeah, I remember that concept. And that's where education really gets pushed down deep is we do do planned redundancy. So um Teaching people some of the same concepts over and over again will help them understand that it's, it's a lot about the nervous system and the brain and, you know, uh, the concepts, and not just the techniques.
0: Well, so, it makes it easier to apply once they're done with that course also, because, you know, it's like the, what you guys say multiple times throughout the course when you understand the concept and you know a thousand techniques. So then okay. once you're applying that from the tools to, you know, because we have to, and this is the biggest struggle as a therapist is getting people to take care of themselves. Cause I only see you an hour out of the day, you know, maybe once every two weeks, maybe once a month, like you can't expect that to just make a permanent change. So you have to do a lot of this stuff on your own.
1: That's a key so, right there Because if you don't empower your patient or your client, then they're going to rely on that one hour. And if you don't have the outcomes you want in that one hour, then they're going to go doctor shop and go look somewhere else, you know, or a massage right. shop or whatever the case may be. So that the more you can arm yourself with quality education and quality ways to speak your education to your patient or your client, it can be the biggest win. All the techniques will come, you know, but yeah. if you can really empower that person, then you're going to have a big win. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Um,
0: so you a big book reader.
1: Um, yeah, when I have time, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I'm more of a, I'd probably say I'm more of a literature reader. Okay. So okay. as far as, you know, um, books, jeez uh, I, I would say I, to be honest, I probably get through books halfway, and I'm yeah. like you're bored with them, or something really, really sticks. I yeah. love autobiographies that have yeah. nothing to do with anything we do. Yeah, uh, attaching to a person, a human, and their sacrifices of what they've been through—that's uh, just a big turn on for me. I love that. Yeah, uh, getting into a large book about biomechanical—I think you know—last thing I read was. Um, Oh gosh, no, it's gonna challenge me. It's back here in my bookcase. I can't find it. It was uh, uh, Lieberman's work. Oh, okay, his work just looking at the body and the foot, and you know, basically the generalizations of how a human came to running, from walking to running. Um, yeah, that stuff fascinates me. Yeah, uh, his work fascinates me. I saw him. I saw him speak in, in Berlin, and it's really, really fascinating. Um, I'm a guy, so I like to know how things work. Yeah.
0: Know? That's
1: just—we're so addicted to jiu-jitsu. We want to know yeah. how things work, and you know, happy right. personalities like most jiu-jitsu people like us will want to take that into all different realms, learning right. how things work. Right? So, um, any other books? I don't know—they're kind of eluding me right now. But most of the stuff I say, I'm reading more literature.
0: Yeah, and so the Daniel Lieberman's latest book, "The uh, Molecule of a" or "The Molecule of More," where he just writes a whole book on the dopamine. God, that book was so good. That was the that was the first book I've read in a long time, where I was just so incredibly captivated the whole time. And so, you know, because sometimes I'm like you, where you know I read it, and then each chapter is just reinforcing the concept of the book, and you're like, "Yeah, I get it. Okay, no. yeah, just yeah, don't yeah. like don't give up. Just keep going, and you'll be successful." Okay, I got it. Yeah, and then you I'd just say, move I'd on say the most
1: time. of us probably have some sort of situational ADD where you know unless the book grabs me um i've read probably everything that lance armstrong's written or about lance armstrong that just fascinates me yeah um uh i really love that stuff anything about presidents i love yeah Um, but uh yeah sometimes you get through halfway like okay i get it i I got the concept i'm good you
0: know right so So what do you think of uh have you listened to tool's new album
1: i haven't but i love early tool yeah Um, i've been live a few times uh yeah. Maynard's a jiu-jitsu guy right
0: yeah yeah he's a black belt and he just he actually yeah he just got a so he's been on joe rogan's podcast a couple of times like he's been so wherever he toured he just booked privates with that black belt and so he like with hickson and all the machados and everyone and so That's
1: smart, That's smart to put, you know so i saw him and he had a walking boot on yeah, obviously he hurt himself in jiu-jitsu and he basically sang from crutches and a walking boot. Yeah. And uh, yeah.
0: and so he just got a hip replacement, I think a year or two years ago, because just not from jiu-jitsu, but just from stomping on stage all the time.
1: Yeah, interesting. Yeah, which is
0: really interesting. So we went and saw him um, in January and it was really interesting because he was off in the shadows the whole time. He was We almost never saw him unless like there was just the right lighting but he just really focused
1: yeah that's his deal right i mean when yeah. i saw him he was kind of behind a silhouette yeah uh, never turned and then he came out once with those crutches and his walking boot but then he went yeah. back that's his that's his shtick
0: yeah it's really interesting but this yeah. new album is so good i'm so obsessed with it and the more i listen yeah, to sure. it
1: yeah i'll check it out and, what and i don't like is Pearl Jam's new stuff I'm really disappointed oh are you yeah like I, is, this is not the Pearl Jam I, that I know
0: yeah because when I listened to like Pearl Jam 5 you know I was still in like elementary school I think and I was like this is
1: the greatest album
0: ever and then the very next album I was like eh, I don't like yeah. it and it then helps, just ever yeah. since then
1: it just kind of fell off for me you know how old are, how old are you now I'm uh, 38 now okay so yeah my my interpretation of music is you know Iron Maiden and, you know, yeah. metal back in the day, you know,
0: right.
1: I'm almost 51 now. So growing up with some, you know, Van Halen and early, early Rush and, you know, getting into yeah. the 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 Maiden stuff. I mean, I'm yeah. a big fan of that stuff.
0: Yeah. And so the bands that really drove me were like Nine Inch Nails and Tool and AFI and like a lot of those guys. Um, But yeah, I think you'd really, like, I don't want to place judgment on you here, but I think you'd really like Tool's new album. And I think, like, one of my favorite parts is that each each song is like 10 to 13 minutes long. So they just, wow. yeah, so they're just playing, and it's so they're good.
1: Playing, right? They, they can care about radio play, they're like, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah.
0: And there was, that, there was that big controversy when they first released their album, it immediately shot to number one because of all the 40 year olds and then all the taylor swift people were super pissed off because they didn't know who tool was and right. all of a sudden this random band just takes place number one spot
1: <laughs> tool time right, tools about some serious followers
0: yeah they're one of those
1: bands that get some you know they're tattooing wrenches on their body and they're full followers you know? i know it's
0: super weird and then speaking of joe rogan like there's people that get joe rogan's face tattooed on their body like how
1: won't we'll get me started on that. That's just crazy. <laughs> That's so- he, He's an, he's an amazing uh, you know, comedian, uh, yeah. you know, a personality. I'd love to get on that podcast, but I think sometimes there's just a lot of misinformation as far as jujitsu injuries go. Yeah. Um, so getting on the podcast to talk about the data and the data I've collected over all these years, that'd be really, really cool to discuss. You know, then you, you have uh, like the infectious disease person that he had on last week was amazing. I'll probably read that book because that intrigues me a lot. Yeah. Um, and then he has people on just talking about the so right. So it's kinda of like, oh man. You know, yeah. and so people on. And then he got people talking about a so right. Kind of and weird. then they
0: yeah, every time they talk about massage therapy on
1: there, I'm like, You see, this is my yeah. problem. And this is right, right. It's very narrow minded. And if it worked for Joe, then you know, he's gonna have it on and you know, and it's gonna blow up because of who he is. But um yeah, that's, that's where you know people buy into the kool-aid right yeah and that's
0: like the so right like not everybody needs that so as you know what i mean
1: well it's kind of like you know the idea of what you're talking about before is that uh you know you can chase the pain or treat the cause right what do you want to do right it's so. easy stuff
0: right on this is a really fun conversation thank you so much for coming on
1: yeah man thanks for asking i appreciate it and uh it's cool we have a lot of like-minded things going on sports medicine and jiu-jitsu and i don't know do you play guitar
0: I do not. It's one of those things where I wish I did, you know, like yeah. there was like there, I think there was a pivotal moment in my life where I could have, but then I chose BMX instead. And so that's the route I, went yeah, I,
1: I I skated, i BMX a little bit, but, uh, I was always, you know, in my day we, we, we skated on quads, right? Yeah. So we'd hit the quads, we'd hit the pool in the quads. Yep. And then starting you know, in the seventies, we were just straight skateboarding backyard pools. And, you know, I haven't skated for a while, but, uh, there's plenty of stuff on my social media to see me trying to float frontside air still, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's good. That's
0: it's okay. good. And then I remember one time, this is after I kind of laid off jujitsu quite a bit and started CrossFit, I crashed on my BMX bike and I got a scrape on my knee and I was like, ah, it was like the worst thing ever. And then that's when I decided that I can't fall down anymore.
1: Yeah, so that's when I right. got rid of my bike. It kept me from doing burpees and like, okay, it's either burpees
0: or this. Right? <laughs> yeah, It's either burpees or just augering myself into the ground. Yeah, I think that. burpees are way better.
1: <laughs> right on, man. I appreciate your time.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for the conversation.
1: All right. Talk soon. Absolutely.